let me tell you something, your forgiveness is not going to set them free. It's going to set you free. Their repentance will set them free. Your forgiveness is not based on whether they'll feel it or not. Your forgiveness sets you free. It does nothing for them. Repentance is what will set them free. Okay. This was a very pivotal point for me when I realized forgiveness sets me free. Repentance sets them free. What you're feeling and what you're holding and what you're doing has nothing to do with them. They will carry it until they repent, period. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl. We are back again. Practical series week three. I just love you so much. I can't even handle my life. I love you guys out there. Thank you for listening along. And listen, I just want to say, I know that there's some pretty influential people that listen to the podcast. And I just want to say to those leaders and to those, you know, people that are carrying a lot and you know who you are. I am carrying a lot. I hear from you. I see you. For all of you moms out there during this season, I hear from you. I see you. For those pastors out there, for those women's ministers out there, for those pastors' wives out there, I hear you. I see you. And we work hard and it's not just me. We got a whole crew. We got Mike, Jessica, we got four people listening in right now to make sure it's good. And it'll go through an editing process and everything. We see you. We hear you. We love you. Thank you so much for your support. That is why we don't run reruns yet. I might one day, but we give you something fresh every single week because we understand you are so important to us. You're so important to us. And I know my podcast and people that I listen to every week, if they do a rerun, I'm like, no, I don't want to listen to this. And oftentimes I don't listen, (laughs) which is why we give you fresh stuff. So God bless y'all. Thank you for listening along. Okay. We're going to hop into week three. We are going to talk about how practically do you forgive? Now, there is a method to my madness with sharing this today. And you guys, I have a passage of scripture that destroyed me and it's probably going to destroy you, but it's so good. It's so good. So we're going to, we're going to hit that after, after I share what God's doing in my life. Listen, God is doing a lot in my life. I look around right now and I think what happened to my life six months ago? (laughs) Do you ever wonder like, where did that go? Well, everything looks really uh, fresh and new right now, especially with this new position as um, pastor of prison ministry at with Gateway Church with the women's prisons. It's kind of unbelievable just how that has really been fun, a fun journey so far and just how that radically changes things. But we're kind of in like this crazy transitional phase in our life right now, which I love, you know, I get bored easy. So transition, I love it. People, some people hate it, but I'm like, Ooh, transition. I love that. It's so fun. What's coming. What are we going to do next? Like I, my sister loves the schedule and she loves to know like everything. And I don't, I love to know, you know, that God's doing something new in our lives. So anyway, 
However, last night we got hit with a little bit of normalcy in our world when my eight-year-old child walked into the room and said, mom, I have a wiggly tooth. Now listen here. My child is definitely the baby of the family. That girl is so spoiled. (laughs) And um, they're all spoiled, you know, spoiled, but held accountable at the same time. I feel like I need to say that. But she just is, you know, she's like my little She's like my little doll. I mean, I just love, I love all of my children, but we're talking about Haven right now. So she comes into my room and she's like, mom, I have a wiggly tooth. Now in episodes past, I don't know if you remember that to pull her tooth and to extract this tooth, it's the worst thing of all time. Okay. The tooth has got to come out. We understand that, but she, for some reason is petrified of teeth falling out of her mouth, which actually now, as I say that, I kind of understand why. Like it's taken me three hours in the past. And this is, I am not embellishing this for real, for real, three hours in the past where I've just sat in a room with her, not even like, you know, even had brought my fingers towards her tooth. And she has just cried because she's nose has got to come out. And, you know, I don't, there's no, like, they just kind of fall out, you know, in your hand because they're so wiggly. Last night, however, I would like to say we graduated from mom sitting lovingly by her child, looking at her saying, there's nothing to fear. Jesus says, do not fear. There's nothing to fear. It's going to be okay. It's not going to hurt. It's going to be fine. For three hours, we graduated from three hours to 45 minutes. And it only took us 45 minutes. And I know that that you're like going, oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous. But let me tell you, the child is terrified of getting her tooth pulled. And I have now pulled eight of her teeth. And I I use that term pulled lightly because I just like tap it and it falls in my hand. That's how loose it is. Which means I have spent, what's eight times three? What is eight times three? 20 something, 24. I have spent, is that right? Someone tell me that's right. So I'm not like doing third grade math and not knowing what I'm doing. I have spent a whole 24 hours. Yeah, that's right. A whole 24 hours just sitting and waiting for teeth. And you guys, let me tell you something. It has been absolutely terrible. But last night on the ninth tooth, it only took 45 minutes. She came in and I think it was probably her dad because her dad is like, you know, the most calming presence of all time. Um, He sat down with her and he, we're watching TV in our room. And she's like, I just, she's like looking around like with those little, eyelashes looking back and forth. And she's saying, I just would like somebody to hold my hand. (laughs) What is my husband going to do? Like he's, she's definitely passive aggressive saying, dad, I need you to hold my hand. So he grabs her hand and starts holding her hand. And it's so precious. And his calming presence is unbelievable. And I was able to first have her open her mouth because we have to do that and open her mouth just so, so I could look at her little tooth. And then I took my tiny little fingers and it literally fell into my hand. So it took 45 minutes last night. 
thank you, Jesus. It was a nice little piece of normalcy reminding us that, hey, some things don't change. Some things don't change. So anyways, some things just never change. The teeth coming out, they just, they just never change. <laughs> it happened, guys. I'm proud of me. I'm proud of my husband. And I um, hugged Haven and told her I was proud of her. And then I forgot to put money on her, her pillow for the tooth fairy. <laughs> so um, I had to. When After she got up crying, saying the tooth fairy forgot about her and she has forgotten, I took our money and I put it in her pillowcase and said, go look in the pillowcase. I think something's in there. And sure enough, she was like, it was hidden in the pillowcase. I just knew the tooth fairy wouldn't forget about me. She came and sat on my lap and looked at me this morning while I was having my coffee. And she said, are you the tooth fairy? <laughs> And I said, what makes you ask that question? And she's like, mom, there was no money there this morning. So anyway, that is what's happening in my life. It's crazy. I got a senior and then some of my kids are still losing teeth. So it's a whole gamut of everything over here. Love you guys. Come back after the break. Y'all come back after this break because I'm going to share with you a, such an amazing passage of scripture about forgiveness. And we're going to talk about how do you forgive? Okay, see you in a sec. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X-Y-Z-A, yeah. Okay, guys, we are back. Come on, Jesus. Let's do this thing. We are back. And we have gone really in, okay, super in. I tried to do, I've, you know, I've talked a lot about like how to train your mind and how to walk in the spirit and how to those things. But some of these more like, wait, well, okay, well, how? Like we talked about last week, let go. Okay, well, how do I, I know I want to let go, but how, okay? Some of these things like this, I feel like need a practical lesson. What do I do first? Because I cannot, I know I need to let go, but I don't know how, okay? So today is just like that. And the Lord had, this is so crazy, you guys. I was sitting in church on Sunday and attending church. I was attending church and the preacher gets up and it's a guest speaker. 
And you know what he talks about? And I was already planning on doing this. He talks about forgiveness. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Cause I'm about to record that for practical week three. And he gets up and this man is, I don't know how old he is, but he was super, you know, white hair is a crown of glory when it's found in the way of righteousness. Okay. He was one of those men, elderly man. And he stood up and he talked about the exact same thing that I'm going to talk about. So I thought, oh man, we need to do this. And let me tell you something. It really confirmed it when he gave an invitation. And he said, how many of you guys just need to forgive once and for all? You just need to do it. You're going to do it. And we go to a large church. And as soon as he prayed that prayer, you guys, I would say 90% of the congregation stood up. So forgiveness is not something that we as a people don't need to work on. And it was so beautiful the way he just so eloquently went through the passage of scripture. I'm going to like, you know, try to do it like he did it, but it's the same passage, not completely the same, but um, a couple of the same passages of scripture. And it was real, just really confirming to me that, wow, we need to talk about this more. So week three, practical, how do you forgive? Now, I want to start off with some, a point that is important. We as believers should be running toward freedom. Okay. We should be running toward freedom. We should be doing everything in our power to receive what God has given us. Okay. We should be dropping forgiveness like it's a bad habit. We should be dropping our anger like whatever. We should be stepping into self-control. We should be stepping into freedom. And you guys, let me tell you something. We should be militant about it. Why? Because we have the power via the Holy Spirit in order to do that. As believers, we should not have some weird, funky idea of going to therapy or counseling or whatever it is. We should be running to it. We should not be looking at our pastors and saying, you know, I struggle with this secret thing, but I don't want to tell him, you know, listen, if you can't tell your pastor that you're struggling with something secret, you need to go to a different church. Okay. That's not a healthy environment for sinners. Okay. Sinners go to church. If you don't feel like you can tell the leadership of your church that you're struggling with the sin, then that's what the church is for. Okay. That's where Jesus went. Okay. Get a new church. Anyway, we should be running towards healing. We should be so concerned about breaking things off of us, like all the things that I just mentioned, that we don't care what people think. We just run towards it because Jesus came to set us free. And this is what I'm finding, especially in the last couple of weeks. I feel like the Lord has really highlighted this um, to me in my spirit. And this is kind of where the spirit is, is sitting and is just hanging out. We should be running towards it because freedom is available. But the enemy wants us to turn around and hide it and keep it 
and stagnate us and stop it, okay? We should be aggressive about it. But the enemy wants us in bondage as long as possible, all right? Galatians 5, 16 and 17, we talked about this last week, but I wanted to bring it up again because I think it's important. It says this, but I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. We're gonna talk about forgiveness and this is important. But I say to you, walk in the spirit, by the spirit, excuse me, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh sets itself its desire against the spirit. I'm getting excited, so I can't I like can't read when I'm excited. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for they are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Listen, let me read it again. Verse 17, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the thing that you please, okay? I wanna reiterate from last week, you are in a war with you, okay? You are in a war with you. Your flesh is warring all the time with your spirit. Whichever one you give power wins. It is never going to see eye to eye, ever. It's never going to see eye to eye. So what your spirit wants to do, which is to forgive, your flesh will want to hold a grudge. Does this make sense to you? I know it does. It can't be any plainer than that. Your spirit, I know I need to forgive your flesh, but remember what they did. Remember what they said. Remember what happened. Do you see what I'm saying? There are two worlds in you. Evil, flesh, (laughs) selfish flesh. And then there's spirit, if you're a believer. It is no wonder that forgiveness is so hard because of this. The flesh sounds more relatable in unforgiveness than the spirit does. That was so good. (laughs) We need to use that as a quote next week. Ashlyn, grab it. The reason it's so hard to forgive, one of the reasons, is because the flesh makes more sense than the spirit does when it comes to forgiveness. The flesh says, hold them hostage. The flesh says, they hurt me. The flesh says, oh man, I can just, uh, I'll feel better because they're under my thumb. But the spirit says, no. Jesus says to to forgive 70 times seven. 70 times, forgiving the same person 75 times seven seems crazy. And yet he said that and he made that point because he knew it was better for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? So 17, the spirit is in opposition to the flesh and the flesh, the spirit. 
so that you may not do the things that you please. So that you may not do the things that you please. You know you need to forgive. But the flesh sounds more reasonable. It sounds more, it just sounds better to say I'm going to hold you hostage forever because of what you did to me. And yet, it's not what's best. I'm going to move on because I've got like a lot of verses today. And I just want to hit these a couple of things um, really fast before we get into our main text. Galatians 2, 20 is so beautiful, but it says this and it's hard. It's a hard, it's like a one verse. It's one verse, but it'll like gut punch you. I have been, it says, crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives within me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I want to sit in that just for a second because I want to remind you that while the spirit and the flesh battle, okay, because we're, we're just our flesh. I mean, and the Bible even says, um, and he remembered that they were but flesh. Okay, God understands because he sent Jesus and Jesus experienced what we experience as flesh. But when you became a believer, we crucified that flesh and said, my life is no longer about me. My life is about Jesus. And I am going to die to self to pick up my cross, whatever that cost, and follow him. Now, listen, I am not someone that has not been hurt, okay? Um, I know a good hurt. I know a good betrayal. I know deeply and and more deeply than I've ever shared publicly. So let me just uh, put that out there. I know betrayals that you'll never know about that have happened to me. I'm not saying this because I've lived this life that's been so easy. I'm saying this because I've lived a hard life, a life that has been filled with hurt, a life that's been filled with betrayal. And I'm telling you, forgiveness is the only way. I know what it's like for my flesh to literally scream out, to my spirit and say, you're wrong. This hurt is so deep. I know what it's like to have instances where it took me 15 years to even tell my husband, I've only been married 19, 15 years to even tell my husband some of the things that have happened to me that have been so deep that I did not want to go. I get it. So you're not talking to someone that doesn't understand and cannot speak the language of hurt. I'm not just talking about he stole my sucker in the fifth grade. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about deep-seated, hard things. And I can tell you, on the other side of forgiveness, there is no other way. Okay? Because when I let the Spirit come in, and died to that fleshly sins. The Spirit of God overwhelmed me 
with peace, okay? We're crucified with Christ. Therefore, we can lean in to forgiveness, even as hard as it is. Run fast towards it, okay? I want to take you to to a passage, and I set this up the way that I did because I kind of say a bunch of stuff, and then I want to give you an example from Scripture of someone that did have deep-seated, deep hurt. I want to go to Genesis 37, and I want to just talk through Moses, uh, not Moses, Joseph for a second. The passage, the, my main passage today is probably not going to be, maybe you'll have heard it before, but in studying it back today, I just thought this is the passage that should be preached more often. We're going to talk about Joseph and we're going to talk about what exactly happened with Joseph. Now, we all know that Joseph had these dreams, right? We all know that he had dreams of, you know, the wheat bowing down to him. And what he did with those dreams is he went and he was very immature, you guys, just period. Okay. Joseph was not Jesus. He was not perfect. He was Joseph. He was a little boy. I got an eight-year-old boy. I got a 14-year-old boy. (laughs) They're boys. All right. But what he did is he went and he told his brothers and he kind of got a little mouthy and it sounded a little arrogant, right? And he's like, one day all you guys are going to bow down to me. And the brothers are kind of like, okay. (laughs) And they get mad. Okay. So he has these, these dreams that he tells his brother. His brothers already don't like him because he's the dad's favorite. Right. And there is a moment where all of his brothers decide that they have had enough. And I'm going to read that to you to give you context. Genesis 37, 18 says this, when they, the brothers, saw him, Joseph, from a distance. And before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And this is all because they were just so jealous, you guys. They plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then, come, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, a wild beast has devoured him. Then let's see what will become of his dreams. I kind of feel like that was like, okay, God, you know, God heard that. God heard that. We're going to try to kill him and throw him in a pit. And then let's see what will become of him. (laughs) And God's like taking notes (laughs) up in heaven, looking down, going, I'll see everything there, cupcake. And that's exactly what they do. Okay. 23. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him. And they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Verse 27. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him for he's our brother, our own flesh and his brothers listen. So that's when we get the fact that they threw him in a pit, but then they sold him into slavery and that lands Joseph in Egypt. Well, Joseph does not speak to his brothers again. Okay. That's it. He is trucking along on his way to Egypt. We know that in Egypt, he gets bought by Potiphar, who is, you know, this real fancy guy in Egypt, and God's given him a lot of favor in Potiphar's house. But then Potiphar's wife is like, hey, he's hot and tries to get with Joseph. Joseph rejects it, but he's falsely accused, and then he's thrown into prison, okay? So 
Lots of things happened in Joseph's life that caused hurt, okay? But none so great as the betrayal and the conspiracy by his brothers to kill him. None so great as that. And Joseph, for years and years, has to carry that hurt without ever being able to confront them, to talk to them. He don't know no one that knows them. People in Egypt, they don't know (laughs) Judah and his sons. They don't know them. So here Joseph sits for years as God promotes him and he even promotes him in prison. And we've talked about that a lot of times on this podcast. Even in his promotion, he's still sitting with a severe, terrible, horrible sin that's been done against him. I think a lot of times we talk about Joseph's life as if it was like, we we talk about most of the high points. And sometimes I like to focus what's not on the page, right? We know what happened. We've read this story a trillion times, especially if you're a leader out there or a minister or a pastor or whatever, you know the story. But what does the text not say? He carried this, guys. It does not say, and he carried pain from his brothers. However, it does show us how he feels. We see this in Genesis 42. And I want to walk you through The fact that I know that he was carrying this deep-seated hurt for all of these years based on what happened, okay? Joseph is in prison. There were dreams that were had. Joseph successfully ends up getting out of prison and successfully interprets Pharaoh's dream. He tells them there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of drought, okay? And Pharaoh believes what Joseph says, and so... He then says, great, I'm going to make you in charge of that. And I'm going to put you number two in Egypt, which means Joseph was in charge of what happened during the seven years of plenty and the seven years of drought because he properly interpreted the dream. All right. Consequently, this drought God used, this drought God used so powerfully not just for Egypt and for the surrounding areas. He used so powerfully to give you and I a picture of what it looks like to carry, release someone from a deep hurt and to forgive. This drought has really enabled us to get a view of this story of hurt and forgiveness the way I don't think any other story did beside Jesus on the cross. Here we have this. The drought has caused Joseph's brothers to come to Egypt because they heard that there was plenty of food in Egypt. Isn't that so amazing? God is drawing the people that hurt Joseph. He is drawing them right to the source that needs to be sought, uh, there needs to be forgiveness 
sought in this case and Joseph needs to grant it. So he's drawing, Joseph didn't know where his brothers were or if they were still alive, but God knew. And so that he was drawing them into Joseph. Okay, listen, verse 42. Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt and Jacob said to his sons, why are you staring at one another? Okay. He said, behold, I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. The 10 brothers of Joseph went to buy grain in Egypt. So God drew the 10 brothers to Egypt, but Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers for he said I'm afraid that harm will come on him so the sons of Israel came to buy grain or Jacob among those who were coming for the famine in the land was great now listen they show up now Joseph was the ruler verse 6 over the land and he was the one who sold all the people to the land and Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him and their faces to the ground already boom right there an interpretation and the manifestation of the dream that Joseph had when he was a, a boy. When Joseph seven saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. He knew it was them. Oh, snap. Here it is. This is the opportunity. And wow, I could do whatever I wanted to these brothers who plotted to kill me. Where have you come from? Verse seven. They said from the land of Canaan to buy food. But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, you are spies. You've come to look at the undefended parts of our land. Now, this enters into a back and forth between Joseph and his brothers. And Joseph is really disguising himself by dealing harshly with them so much so that in verse 17 he put them all in prison for three days verse 18 now joseph said to them on the third day do this and live for i fear god i fear god if you're honest men let one of your brothers be confined in your prison but as for the rest of you go carry the grain for the famine of your household and bring your youngest brother to me so your words may be verified and you will not die. And they did so. Now listen to this. And this is the part that I cannot get over. Here we have the dream is fulfilled and Joseph knows what they did to him as a result of the dream, but God is fulfilling the dream right in front of him. Okay. The hurt is deep, but so is the revelation of God. The hurt is definitely there, but so is the faithfulness of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a lot of hurt, a lot of emotions, a lot of things, but God is reminding Joseph right in this moment. Yes, you're faced with the hardest thing that you have ever had to go through in your life. But at the same time that you're faced with it, my faithfulness is so strong that it is fulfilling for you decades worth of a dream that I gave you when you were a boy. Verse 21. Then they said to one another, listen to what they said. He said, bring your youngest brother. And now they start talking. Oh, okay. We're guilty concerning our brother. Because we saw the distress in his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore, this distress had come upon us. Reuben speaks up, one of the brothers, and answers them saying, Did I not tell you 
do not sin against the boy. Joseph is who they're talking about. And you would not listen. Now comes the reckoning for his blood. They did not know, however, that Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. Oh, Lord, let me give it to them the way he gave it to me. Here they come before the second most powerful guy in Egypt. They have no idea. They need from him. But he at one point needed mercy from them. What he needed from them, they didn't receive. And now they come to ask him for the thing that they didn't grant him. And they start having this conversation. Let me tell you something. No one would know what they were talking about. No one. Because it doesn't say that Joseph told anybody. No one would know. No one in that room what they were talking about except for Joseph. No one. And the only reason that Joseph heard is because there was an interpreter in the room that was interpreting this conversation that they were having. And Joseph realized that they were talking about him. They did not know, however, verse 23, Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. 24, he turned away from them and wept. That's how we know. That's how we know that Joseph didn't have forgiveness superpowers. He'd carried this for so long. The weight of the burden of the hurt had been devastating, even debilitating. And he wept. I want to tell you, you know, when you're looking at forgiveness and we're looking at things, one of the first things I want to tell you, and I'm going to rock through this really, really fast. One of the ways to practically move through your life with forgiveness, which is what I am trying to (laughs) portray to you, is this. You think that other party has forgotten the hurt that they caused you, but they haven't. They haven't. God allowed us a picture right here in this conversation between Joseph and his brothers. They're all sitting together and they're all thinking, oh man, we're now reaping what we sowed because this dude is asking for our youngest brother. And here, you know, look at what we did to Joseph. His blood is now, you know, God's getting vengeance. Let me tell you something. This gives us a picture that. Whoever did whatever to you carries that too. And maybe they won't tell you, man, I'm really struggling because of what I did to you. Maybe they'll never call you and ask you for forgiveness. But the reason that I know that is because if these brothers didn't let this thing go, God let Joseph eavesdrop and hear what they were talking about. Whoever hurt you didn't either. While you carry the hurt, they carry the guilt. 
while you're carrying, you know, oh my goodness, I don't ever want to let them free from that. Let me tell you something. Your forgiveness is not going to set them free. It's going to set you free. Their repentance will set them free. Your forgiveness is not based on whether they'll feel it or not. Your forgiveness sets you free. It does nothing for them. Repentance is what will set them free, okay? This was a very pivotal point for me when I realized forgiveness sets me free. Repentance sets them free. What you're feeling and what you're holding and what you're doing has nothing to do with them. They will carry it until they repent, period. It truly is about you, for you. Forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to our soul in order to free us so that we can move forward in life. Forgiveness does not take what they feel away. Repentance is the only thing that will do that for them. So you need to forgive them for you and pray for them that they would repent for them. This is so good, you guys. Your unforgiveness does nothing to them. The only thing that will do something to them is their repentance. How many times do I need to say that? So it really is to you. And Joseph had an aha moment right here. And, th- and I believe that was an aha moment for you guys too. He realized, oh snap, they've been carrying this too. He turned away from them and wept. But when he returned to them and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Now, I don't have time to get into everything, but basically he made them leave. The brothers are brought back. It's like a whole huge deal. He tests them with a golden cup. It's like a whole huge deal. But in Genesis 45, it says this. When they finally come to him, they're bringing his father back to him. Genesis 45 says this, Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried. Have everyone go out from me so there is no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They were scared. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Peace come cl-. Now Joseph had just put him through the ringer. He's like, you know, bring your father, bring your son, uh, bring your brother, bring, you know, you got a golden cup, all these things. He's put him through the ringer. But then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. What is he saying? He's relieving them of their guilt because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse seven, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by great deliverance. 
Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the earth. Now, let me break this down a little bit. He hears this conversation and he weeps because he realizes, oh, they're carrying it too. I've carried it, but they've carried it too. I can either kill them or I can forgive them. I can either step in and do something absolutely terrible and take their lives away, or I can understand that this act that they hurt me with actually was producing God's favor over my life. I want to tell you something right now. Your forgiveness of your whoever it is that hurt you doesn't erase the hurt. The hurt is going to be there, okay? You're going to have to deal with that through the Lord and through counselor, through, you know, Bible or whatever it is. When you choose to forgive someone, it doesn't erase the hurt. He wept. He wept bitterly. He wept for everyone to hear. He was clearly holding this for a long time. But when you forgive, you still have the hurt. But when you say, I am choosing not to use this against you ever again, it releases you from something that will add to your hurt, which is bitterness, okay? When Joseph in that moment heard that conversation, something snapped in him. They're hurting too. They regret it. They don't want this either. So I am going to choose, even though I have all the power, I am going to choose to provide for them and their families. And I'm going to bring my dad back and they're all going to live in Egypt and I'm going to provide for all of them because I understand that they're hurting too in a much different way. I'm going to choose to forgive because I don't want to add a bitterness to my hurt. Because let me tell you something, if Joseph would have done what he could have done, which is kill them, he then would have had to live with the guilt of that for the rest of his life. Choosing for, to forgive doesn't take away the hurt, but it does erase the bitterness that is added to your hurt when you don't. It removes a layer of hurt. And somewhere in the pages of Genesis, Joseph took a step of faith. We think forgiveness is this like huge act that we can do on our own. And let me tell you something, the, the, the people that I've, I've had to forgive, I couldn't do it on my own. That's the thing. My flesh was too strong. My feelings were too strong. I had to have the power of the Spirit of God in my life that gave me the ability to forgive. Forgiveness is not something we can do in our flesh because it doesn't make sense. Forgiveness requires a step of faith. And I really feel like therein lies the key to forgiveness. It's a step of faith where you understand, like Joseph did in this passage of scripture, don't be grieved, he said, 45 verse 5, with yourselves because you sold me here. But God sent me here before you to preserve life. Forgiveness is a step of faith, not for them, for you in God to believe that God is going to make good out of whatever it is that was done to you. It's shocking to me. We get this forgiveness thing all wrong. 
Forgiveness is about us, not about them. That's why Jesus said, forgive 75 times seven, because he knew forgiveness was ultimately about us and not about them. Repentance is for them. Forgiveness is for us. I want you to choose to live free in the inheritance. I want you to run to it. I want you to be crazy about it. I want you to knock people over while you're along the way. I want you to run as fast as you can towards healing, towards forgiveness, towards knocking off some of these things. Or I, I need you to put your running shoes on and run towards pursue healing for yourself rather than sitting and stewing. It is so much better. And we have a whole inheritance to gain when we do that. I want to go over my points again, just to make sure I got it. I want you to realize that the offending party regrets and they're walking with that. And repentance is what's going to help them, but forgiveness is going to help you. The second one, unforgiveness adds to hurt. Forgiveness doesn't take away hurt. It's just released your mind from extra bondage of bitterness. Unforgiveness adds hurt to the hurt. Forgiveness, it doesn't take away the hurt, but it does release you from bitterness, okay? The third thing, you are going to have to take a step of faith, period. A step of faith that God saw it all and he is the God of justice. You're going to have to take a step of faith and you're going to have to say, this is for me. I am forgiving them because I need to move on with my life. And I really don't want to hold what they did to me in my mind hostage forever. I am going to cover them with my forgiveness. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross in Luke 23, 34. What did he say? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Father, you forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I want you to just take a second and just think through your life, what you're facing. Isn't it time to lay down those bags of anger and run as fast as you can put your running shoes on and run as fast as you can towards healing run as fast as you can towards freedom run as fast as you can towards forgiveness because there's so much peace on the other side of you running fast as you can, as fast as you can towards all of it. The flesh is going to war with the spirit. Forgiveness doesn't make any sense until you realize some of those truths that I just gave you. Forgive them once and for all, as hard as it is, so that God can bless you, which is exactly what he did for Joseph. Uh, I hope this helped you. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the example of forgiveness. Thank you for your words of forgiveness. Thank you for this example from Joseph. God, thank you, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would 
have everyone with this in the sound of my voice that knows that they need to forgive their dad, their mom, their sibling, their child, their husband, their wife. They need to do it. It is a step of faith. This is just as big as a step of faith as moving to another state, starting a business, starting a company. This is just as big of a step of faith as any of those other things. We need you, Lord, to help us take this step of faith because we believe that you have seen everything, that you are a God of justice, that you are going to take care of this situation where we can't see, and that you're going to be faithful to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. I'll be back after the break for a quick last segment. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Autumn, and I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we are back and we have got a question from one of you. Now, this one comes from social media, so I want to get to it really, really fast here. What is your suggestion for diving into the word every day? I feel it in my spirit to get into the word and spend time with the Lord, but most of the time it feels daunting. I don't seem to know where to begin or I feel unmotivated. Have you ever dealt with this? Well, let me tell you this. Yes, I have. And I deal with it all the time. I'm constantly tempted not to be in God's word. I have four kids. Everything is screaming at me. I got 
kids screaming at me. I got a dog that never stops barking. I got people. I got stuff. I got a schedule. I got my text messages. I got it all. I got the group messages from all my kids' teams. Listen, the enemy does not want you to get in the word. This is simple. He'll make you busy. He'll, you know, place thoughts in your hearts. Well, oh, I just, I'm not feeling good today. I'm not going to do it. You know what? Fight it. Fight it. You guys know that you need this, okay, in your life. You know you need to lean into the spending time with God. Just like we talked about in the above segment, if the spirit is warring with the flesh and the flesh with the spirit, what greater thing do you think our flesh would war with than spending time with God? It doesn't make any sense. So what I would do, thank you for this question. I loved it and I want to answer it on air. What I would do is set a no interruption time in your life and you're going to have to create a new habit, okay? I get up every morning, very, very early every morning because I know my life is crazy. I cannot, I cannot at one o'clock in the afternoon, open my Bible and sing Kumbaya. I cannot do that. I have an insane life. I cannot do it. I cannot have my quiet time at night. I, I cannot do it because my life is so busy that I just, I'm so, my kids came in last night at 8 30 and I was like snoring, which I didn't even snore. So that was big. I know I have to get up early. I sacrifice because those moments with Jesus is so much more important to me than sleep. You have to create a habit and then you have to ask the spirit of God to give you a hunger, habit, hunger, habit, hunger, habit, hunger, and it will radically change your life. Okay. That's my answer to that. I have a story from one of you guys, which is awesome. Basically, this person, God, put in their spirit, you need to move to an obscure place a thousand miles away from where you live. You need to do that. No one could believe that God was saying this. I say this all the time, like, listen to the the word of God. Don't listen to all the naysayers. But no one could believe that God was telling this person to move a thousand miles away. And because they moved a thousand miles away, they now are living in a house with, it sounds like roommates, their very best friends and living their best life all because the Lord spoke to them and said, this is what's best for you. You need to move. You need to do this. And they obeyed you guys. Sometimes it seems crazy what God asked us to do, but that's where the blessing is on the other side of that obedience. I love that. Okay. All right, that is our episode for today. I love y'all so much. We will be back next week with a new fresh episode of the Autumn Mile Show. I love y'all so much. Thank you guys for all your support. I will see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Mile Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available. From her books and past episodes to her video series, We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. 
Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show.